0: one five Or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you for being out there. Uh, this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday evening, December sixteenth, two 2010. We don't have a minute to go in, in 2010 So we're glad you're on this edition of the program tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you. Toll-free, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. Dad, uh, my dad Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad.
2: Jacob, great to be with you tonight. You know, one thing about the virtual Bible study as opposed to a real virtual Bible study is you don't have to worry about bad weather conditions keeping you out. You don't have to get dressed up. and You don't have to get dressed up. Uh, but you know, last night here at college view, we had some threat of icy roads and it really kept a lot of people from being able to attend. That's not a problem with the virtual Bible study. Sit right in the cozy of your own home, uh, and get on that computer and use it for something good.
1: Unless the weather gets so bad that you lose your power, then you're just out yeah, of
2: that. Yeah, that that's
1: where the virtual Bible study is in, uh, inferior to the in-person Bible study. That's true. You can't, you can't have the virtual Bible study by candlelight. Uh, we are glad that you're on the program tonight, and we look forward to your comments. And we'll let you know if you're listening to us in the archive edition and you have any questions about something you might hear on tonight's program or what you've heard on other programs, contact us any about that, even if you're not listening live. Dad, we do have a majority of our audience that listens to us in the archive version, and uh, we appreciate you for being there on the archive and listening uh, and studying along with us in the recorded version. Um, but, uh, anytime that someone has a comment, we'd like to hear from
2: them. exactly right, exactly right. We're, we're glad for all those who listen in archive, but we appreciate, uh, really appreciate those who participate with us, who give us their comments and join with us in the discussion during the live broadcast. So if you can, uh, if you can be a part of it live, that's great. If your opportunities only allow you to be in the archive, that's okay too. But, uh, we do appreciate everybody who joins in, uh, Last week we had some problem in our chat room, Jacob. We we had some people who tried to take over our chat room, putting some uh, vulgar and uh, nasty comments up there. Uh, who were even trying to get people to follow links that I understood led to some very nasty sites. And uh, so uh, we've had to do away with the with that chat room. We've got another now that gives us moderation. And so uh, if anybody gets out of line, hopefully we can control that. Okay. Which we couldn't do before.
1: All right. And it looks like, uh, Jeff, we're hiding behind the curtain tonight if you could cut to a camera. Uh, so lots of things to keep going, to get, uh, going here at the beginning of the program. Um, and so uh, perhaps uh, that's, uh, that's a problem. Uh, we've got that under control hopefully tonight, and so hopefully that we'll be able to do that. Uh, Dad. Uh, as we mentioned, a lot of listeners uh, listening in the archive version, it looks like we've got a lot of listeners from China. Uh, that
2: was really peculiar. We pulled up some stats, and we haven't done that in a while. We pulled up some stats. Looks like our camera is, is crooked now, Jeff. I think you, Jeff's got it. He's you got, got it. There you go. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, we pulled up some stats, which we haven't done in a while, and uh amazing number of logins and downloads from China, which is an interesting thing, and we're glad if, if you're one of those people in China who are listening uh, we're very glad to, to have you even listening to our archives of the Virtual Bible Study. If you have any questions, if you can get an email to us, uh, we'd be glad to try to deal with your questions specifically. Yeah,
1: let us know if you're listening in China. We'd like to hear from you. All right, we're going to talk tonight about a very important subject, a subject that is, uh, well, it's a scriptural subject, of course, and uh, a question uh, that uh, has been asked in the scriptures as well.
2: Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about baptism uh and we really want to talk specifically about what would hold somebody back from being baptized jacob we're going to kind of base our study on the very famous question from the ethiopian eunuch when he said what doth hinder me to be baptized philip had been teaching him and he was telling him about jesus when they it says when they came to a water the eunuch said see here's water what doth hinder me to be baptized and so we want to build upon that question. What would hinder me to be baptized? It's kind of interesting in that text in Acts chapter 8, Philip answered that there was in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch, there was one possible hindrance, and that is, do you have faith? Right. You know, when the, when the eunuch said, verse 36, they came to a certain water, the eunuch said, see, here's water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And, and Philip's answer implies, well, there might be something that could hinder you. In this case, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. In other words, if you have faith, you can. If you don't have faith, that could keep you from being ready to be baptized. You know, it's
1: interesting. You you brought up this, the topic tonight, and I immediately thought of uh, reasons why somebody wouldn't want to be baptized when they should be, but there's a reason why you shouldn't be if
0: you want to be.
2: Yeah, and he says, If thou believest all on heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and Eunuch, and he baptized him. But I, I think it's interesting in that familiar story, the 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 potential that hindrance was you don't you don't know what you're doing you don't have faith you you are not informed enough but if you if you feel that you are informed and if you do have that information then there's in this case there was nothing that would hold him back okay
1: uh, there's another uh, comment in the chat room that's very closely associated uh, Eric says age would be another reason that would hinder you a lot of people in the religious world today think that uh, someone ought to be baptized as an infant you know they don't even hardly know. Uh, well, they can't do very much of anything for themselves, and yet they're being baptized. Uh, there's no faith there like
0: was the in the case of
2: the eunuch. In the case of the Ethiopian eunuch, that specific example would prove that a, that an infant child couldn't be baptized because he doesn't have can't faith. Answer, couldn't he
1: couldn't even answer the question. He yeah. will to only answer it yeah. in the affirmative.
2: So we'll get into more of those to start with. But let's let's uh, look at the questions that we sent out earlier today to our update list. Um the first question we asked was: Assuming you're given an opportunity to present only one argument to prove the necessity of baptism, what would that argument be? Okay. In other words, what we want to start out our study with tonight is is the make sure we got our basis covered and demonstrate without any shadow of a doubt that baptism is essential for salvation. You got one uh, yourself, crack at it though. You've limited you, you, it. L- let's say that you were dealing with a situation where you you had to pick your best argument. I think there are multiple arguments in the scripture that would prove that baptism is essential for the salvation of our soul. But let's assume that you're in a situation where you got one shot at it. You've got you've got an opportunity to make just one proof. You can only present one specific uh, a demonstration of that need from the scripture what would it be uh, we got some feedback in email we'd be glad to hear about your thoughts on uh the uh, in, in the chat room you can send us an email we'll keep uh, we'll keep monitoring our emails as we go through tonight uh, also give us a phone call we'd be glad to take a phone call 877 uh, As sort of an addendum to that question, I said if you do not believe baptism is essential for salvation, please give us your best argument in support of that position. Nobody's taking me up on that But I hope
1: there are some listeners, not because I want people to disagree with what I believe the Scriptures teach, but I hope that if you're out there listening and you don't agree that baptism is required in order to be saved, we'd love to hear from you. We will be polite, we'll be kind, but we'd like to hear your viewpoint as to why you think the Bible doesn't teach that we must be baptized in order to be saved. We believe very clearly that it does. Uh, teach that we sh- must be baptized in order to be saved. The responses we've gotten so far do concur with our belief. And so uh, let's look at those quickly. Jim in Mount Pleasant says, I don't believe there's any better argument than Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Uh, Dad, Acts chapter 2, verse 38 is one that's commonly used, and it is the first instruction of anyone actually receiving the command to be baptized.
2: Jesus taught about it while he was still here, but his law went into force on the day of Pentecost. Right. And on that day when the gospel was preached... Those who heard it, it says they were pricked in their heart, Acts 2.37, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Jim here when he says there's really not a better argument. Here's a case of some people who were convicted that they had personally been involved in killing the very Son of God. And so... so and when they are convicted of that, when they when they become convinced that they are guilty they believe. They believe they believe
1: the sermon that Peter has given told them
2: yeah, about but, Christ, the fact that he is the Messiah, that
1: he's died for their
2: sins. And that they were responsible for that. And that, that they yes.
1: had done it. They committed sin. They saw their sinfulness. They believed that Christ was the solution to that. And they asked the question, what must we do? And Peter said, You're foolish. There's nothing that you must do.
2: Now that you believe there's nothing else to oh, do. Oh, you've
1: done it. You're saved.
2: That, that's, oh, what a lot of, that's what a lot of people, that's, that would be the answer a lot of people have to give based on the doctrines they teach today. Peter didn't say that. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, baptism, repentance, and baptism. Now, re- remember, as you said, Jacob accurately said, these people are believers, and the fact of the matter is that their confession Amounts I mean, their question amounts to a confession of their faith. Oh yeah. So they're believers, and the by virtue of the question they ask, they've effectively confessed that they're believers. They're told to repent and be baptized. Uh, now it notice the expression there for the remission of sins. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. What does that mean for the remission of sins? There's some argument in the religious world as to the meaning of that expression. Some argue that it means because your sins have been forgiven. You should be baptized because your sins have been forgiven. But if you're going to take that approach, you'd, you'd have to say that repentance is also because your sins have already been forgiven.
1: No one would take that position.
2: Nobody takes that position, but those things are joined by a conjunction and. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And so it's clear that the, the that baptism is unto. And some newer English versions actually say unto the remission of your sins. Are you Uh,
1: going to Matthew
2: chapter 26? Yeah, yeah, make that argument, Jacob.
1: Well, okay, Matthew chapter 26 also tells us that the remission of sins does not mean because sins have already been remitted, but in order to have the sins remitted. Peter said, repent and be baptized in order that your sins could be remitted because Jesus said the same thing, used the same words in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28 as he institutes the Lord's Supper. He says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, notice this, quote, for the remission of sins. Jesus said the same thing that Peter said. Why did Jesus shed his blood? Because people's sins were already remitted? No, because he wanted to accomplish that. And that is why we repent and why we are baptized, so that we can have the remission of our sins.
2: Exactly right. Exactly right. I, and, and so I agree with uh, uh, Jim, when he says there's really not any better argument than to Acts 2:38, and there's really no way to get around. I remember an old story, and I think I've probably told this on the virtual Bible study before. There was a uh, a debate uh, between a, a gospel preacher and someone who did not believe that baptism was necessary for the remission of sins. And something happened, and the gospel preacher wasn't able to to make it to the debate that night. And so they called upon an old man who was a Christian to stand up and make a defense of of the truth that baptism is essential. He he stood up and he read Acts 2.38, and he sat down. Well, the other fellow got up and belittled him for making no better case than to read one verse. And he just went on and raved on and on and on. And so when his time was up, the old man got back up there again. He opened his Bible and said, it's still there. Acts 2.38 is still there. The fellow hadn't dealt with the verse, and you can't deal with it. There's no way to argue around that verse. It plainly teaches... The necessity of baptism for the remission of sins. There are some other arguments. We're getting some answers in the chat room. JHV is He's, a guest. The JHV is behind the controls tonight. Oh, That's is that, that you, Jeff? That's Jeff. Oh, okay. That does make sense. I see your yeah, initials now. Why don't you share your comment with us? First Peter 3.21, Jeff. Read that. Baptism does now save us. It's not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Baptism does now save us is a is the
1: big point that I'd like to point out there.
2: Yeah, exactly. It says baptism saves us. I mean, what more do we need than that? That's a very very powerful verse. That's a good one. Uh, Eric, I think Eric's in Minnesota. Eric, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Eric's in Minnesota, and uh, he suggests Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and twenty. Jesus taught go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the father son and the holy ghost teaching them to observe all things which i've commanded you and lo i'm with you always even to the end of the world so jesus himself taught baptism the the parallel account of that in mark chapter 16 uh, is is also powerful and really does stress the necessity of baptism uh jesus said matthew 16 verse 15 beginning go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned we've used a, a, a very simple illustration jacob on that before if in the newspaper you saw an ad that says everybody who comes to the ford dealership uh and brings a red ball cap will receive a new car you would understand there would be two things that you have to do to get the new car. Come to the dealership, bring a red ball cap. Yep. You wouldn't show up at the dealership without a red ball cap and expect to get the car. You would know that both those things are necessary. But the, the, the conclusion would be don't show up at the at the Ford dealership and you won't get a new car.
1: Well, and uh, furthermore, if even if the instructions to, about the getting the new car for free were ambiguous, maybe you didn't know for sure if you had to have a red cap or you didn't. When you went down to the dealership, I can guarantee you, you'd have a red cap in your back pocket just in case you needed to do it. People don't take shortcuts when it comes to things of physical nature is my point. Exactly right. Uh, why would we want to Nobody,
2: Nobody's going to take a chance on getting a free new car.
1: Right. It says to come down and, ta- and, ta- and have a ball cap. I'm not going to go down there and just hope that uh, when I get there, they'll let me buy without or, having or a ball cap. Or
2: argue with them that the ball cap it wasn't, necessary. wasn't necessary. There
1: was some loophole. No, I would do what it says so I could get the new car. But uh, when it comes to spiritual things, people are much more uh, uh, inclined to to take those shortcuts or to argue if the particulars.
2: Eric uh, has corrected me. Eric is not in Minnesota. Eric is in Norcross, Minnesota near atlanta georgia so eric we're glad to have you with us on the virtual bible study tonight all
1: right uh chris is also in georgia uh, and he sends in his comment if i only had one argument to make then it would be have to be from god's word in acts chapter 2 verses 37 and 38 same as jim uh the people realized who jesus was and asked the question that so many had asked what what do i now do that i know about jesus it does not get any plainer than verse 38 it leaves no room for doubt or debate on the issue so thank you chris for your comments and for listening tonight
2: Exactly right. And then we've got one more here, Jacob, from, uh, uh, from Bill in, I think you say at New Brunfels, Texas. Bill acknowledges himself 76 years of age in New Brunswick. Texas. I
1: don't assume he'll be upset for us saying that.
2: No, I think that's good, and we're yeah, glad to have great. you. That's great, 76-year-old, and he's working his computer, and he's sending us emails. All right, Way it's to go. Working. All right. Uh, you, he answers, because the Holy Spirit has revealed to man the mind of God through the written word, it is a commandment of God. In other words, why do we know the necessity of baptism? It's revealed through the Holy Spirit in the written word of God. It's a commandment of God. That's why it's, it's necessary. God's word is absolute, not to be tampered with. Mark sixteen, fifteen, and 16 is, is, makes the case, and the case is closed. Debate points. Have you ever thought about this? Suppose you were about to depart this life, and all your children and grandchildren were gathered around you to listen to your departing words. Would you not choose your words very carefully? Would you not be meaningful and important? Would they not be meaningful and important? Mark 16, 15, 16 is Jesus' last words on earth. Some like to leave out the conjunction word and from this verse. Grammatically, from this verse alone, it can be argued that baptism is as important as believing. God told Jeremiah one time, when you read my law to the people, do not omit one word, Jeremiah 26, verse 2. I think you're right on, Bill. Uh, It says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If believing is necessary to salvation, then baptism is necessary to salvation. You can't separate the two in that verse. They are both absolutely necessary for salvation. All right, he references
1: Jeremiah 26,
2: verse 2, and according to the Revised Standard Version of
1: this, thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the house of the Lord. All the words that I command you to speak to them do not hold back a word. And uh, so we must uh, take all of God's word into account when we're determining what we must do, and uh, and we appreciate Bill for uh, bringing that up uh, tonight. A lot of uh, listeners in the chat room tonight, we need to take a break, Dad, and we'll continue the discussion on the other side, but if you're in the chat room and you want to comment tonight, uh, you can join in without any kind of uh, account. All you need to do is hit the guest button in the bottom portion of the chat room, give yourself a username, you can type in any name that you want there, and hit enter, and then you're ready to go. You can join in with other listeners, and so we'd encourage you to do that so we can get your comments there. And we do have a good uh, number who have done that, and we appreciate that, and we look forward to hearing from you. Give us a call, toll-free, 877-381-4567. Email us questions at collegeview.com, and we'll take a short break, and we'll be back right after this.
0: Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this.
2: Hello. Hey,
1: Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt,
3: the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night?
1: Great. I'll see you there.
0: Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find that it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College View Church of Christ.
2: My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll free at 877 877- 877 3814567
0: For he hath said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6 The virtual Bible study continues
1: And we're back on the program tonight thank you for being out there and the chat room you can put a picture of yourself in the chat room look at that Jack. Hey sweet Jack and his wife are showing up there in the chat room Hey so, Jack
2: did you log in through uh uh, Facebook. That may be what he did.
1: Yeah. So okay. So maybe you can put yourself, put a picture of yourself there, even if you don't. Well, maybe you know your name's not enough to define yourself. Put a picture up there. That's that's nice. All right. Uh, we're talking about baptism tonight, and we want to know about what hinders you uh, to be baptized. We want to look at arguments. We're not finished yet. What arguments would you make? You have one chance, one shot at it.
2: What is the? Uh, uh, we the, got one. We got an email from Anthony here in Col- uh, in Columbia. Who says uh, probably the best logical argument is the very insistence of conver- uh, it, excuse me I want to start that over probably the very best logical argument is that every instance of conversion in the New Testament includes water baptism you had to pick a single verse to prove the necessity of baptism I'd probably go with First Peter three twenty one and, and we looked at that uh, earlier but you know it, it is it is an interesting thing that Anthony brings up and I've got a little chart here that I put together a good while back uh, and tried to list all the cases of conversion in the book of Acts.
1: Okay, why don't you give us those?
2: Well, I'm not sure. It's, uh, it's I'm not sure it's completely. Uh, they all that, inclusive, yeah. but the Jews on Pentecost, the people of Samaria in Acts eight, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts eight, Saul of Tarsus in Acts nine, Cornelius in Acts ten, Lydia in Acts sixteen, the Philippian jailer in Acts sixteen. There's more. There's more. I know there's more than that. Uh, but in every one of those, now they all were in some way taught. In, in most every instance, it n- specifically mentions or at least implies their faith. Repentance is mentioned in about half the cases. Confession is specifically mentioned, I think, only in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch. But in every single case, they were baptized. Yes. A- and so, I mean, that, that, that's a strong argument. I mean, what, what did people in the first century, when Christianity was brand new, when the when the teaching was being done by the inspired apostles, what did people do? They were baptized, and without exception. So I think that's a powerful argument.
1: And uh, people today don't, uh, most religious groups don't argue that you should be baptized. They say it's a command of Jesus even, that you you should be baptized. But they don't believe it's for the remission of sins. And that if you're not baptized, well, it's okay. It won't hinder you from being saved. The scriptures are very clear as... Anthony references First Peter chapter three verse twenty one says baptism doth also now save us. Uh, Acts two thirty eight repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Uh, another one dad that uh, tells us about uh, the importance of baptism is Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six verse three know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead. By the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Notice verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. If we want to be saved, if we want to be raised a, a, a sinless person, then we've got to be baptized. There's no way around it. The scriptures over and over again tell us we must be baptized in order to be saved. Not just that we have to be baptized It's a good thing to be baptized. And not just that we should be baptized because it was a command of Jesus that you should do it whenever you get around to it. Do it after you've been saved. No, we must be baptized for the remission of our sins. The scriptures are very clear on that.
2: All right, very good. All right, so I hope, Jacob, that we have established uh, without any doubt the the necessity of baptism i think that's that's the first base we've got to cover we didn't get anybody who was arguing that point with us there are plenty of people in the religious world who'd like to argue that point with us but actually they're not arguing with us they're act they're arguing with these plain verses of scripture that we've tried to quickly point out tonight so again i, I think most everybody who's listening to the virtual bible study understood where we were going to be coming from on that uh, we certainly are glad to talk to people who differ with us but we're going to go back to the Scripture, and we're, we're going to try to prove the case from the inspired Word. Now, with that in place, the second question we ask, Jacob, is what do you think is the number one reason that prevents people from being baptized? Mm. And then, as a follow-up to that, how would you address a person who states that reason for not being baptized? And so someone says, oh, no, I'm not going to be baptized. I'm not ready to be baptized. I don't want to be baptized. Uh what, what do you think are how, – how would you list by really order of preference or order of magnitude of importance, what are the, what are the main things keeping people from being baptized?
1: All right, let's start with the last end uh, tonight. Anthony in his email says, um, probably the fact that all, almost all denominations which are so pervasive teach that only faith or the sinner's prayer are required for salvation. Overcoming this widespread false doctrine can be daunting. Second to this, I would think that many folks have already been baptized, quote-unquote, in some denomination and feel odd about getting re-baptized. You know, he mentions the sinner's prayer, and it's interesting that people will argue about baptism. You don't have to be baptized, they say, when it says very clearly that you must be baptized. Baptism does also now save us. They'll argue with that, and yet they'll just swallow the fact that they've got to say a sinner's prayer, which you can't even find even an even even a hint of no, that no in the Bible. there's
2: not a, an inkling of the idea of a sinner's prayer in order to be saved right. and yet they'll believe that but they won't believe these multitude of verses that that we've made quick reference to concerning the necessity of baptism that that is and so i, I would have to agree with anthony i think the in this modern day probably the main thing the 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 the, the most Tremendous problem that we have to overcome in convincing people to be baptized is that they are hindered by the fact that there are a lot of people telling them they don't have to be. It's not necessary. You don't need it. Don't do it. Uh, and so uh, again, what we got to do is so in response to that, uh, what we got to do is we got to teach them. We got to convince them of the scriptures. We got to get them to go to the Word and take it rather than being prejudiced by the false teaching that they've been influenced by.
1: All right, uh, 877-381-4567, email questions at com. Join in the chat room with other listeners. And if you're just joining us on the program tonight, we have a new chat room. You can log in down at the bottom. Uh, by creating a username, but it's not required, you can use the guest button, assign yourself a username, and you're ready to go without an account. Or you can log in with your Facebook account, as many people are doing. And I think it is somewhat of a coup. Uh, they just trying. found
2: out about it. And they're, trying, they're, to make
1: it. The, they're trying to make the, the, the screen look better so that there's some other faces on there other than ours. And so uh, their picture showing up there, and that's a neat feature that we didn't know about until tonight. So yeah. we're glad that you're out there.
2: No, I knew, I knew that you could log in with Facebook, but I didn't know that you could – that it would post your picture when you did that. So uh, okay. that, that's, that's pretty. Neat. You know, the, the other part of, of Anthony's email there goes along with the idea of the false teaching uh, that's pervasive in the religious world. And that is some, some folks have already been baptized in some way or another, and they don't therefore think they need to be baptized scripturally. For instance... Uh, probably many of us i have you have probably many of us have dealt with people who perhaps were baptized as an infant sprinkled with water when they were infant mm-hmm. they called it baptism and now that person is convinced i 've been baptized i don 't why you tar- why are you talking to me about being baptized i'm covered i, I 'm covered i've been baptized and so they won 't be baptized as the New Testament teaches by full immersion for the remission of sins because they have been deceived into believing that some denominational practice that occurred to them, although not found in the Bible, has satisfied that demand, and therefore they, they are not, they're not attuned to it. They're not even interested in talking about it. So I do think false teaching and then people who've been baptized under the influence of such false teaching are huge hindrances to baptism in our day and time.
1: All right. Uh, here's one that, uh, that Bill in uh, Texas sends in. Disregard and lackadaisical attitude the denominational world has toward the Word of God. You are making too big of a deal out of this, one might say. or It, just, it doesn't matter. Just sprinkling will do. All of those are apostasy comments, he says. I uh, appreciate Bill for that. Hey, you know, there is uh, somewhat of a, of a lackadaisical comment to God's instructions that uh, God said it, but I don't believe I have to do it. Uh, God certainly won't hold me accountable to the instructions that he's told me. Uh, all are attitudes that are prevalent uh, today in the religious world even. And uh, perhaps that's contributing to those who don't want to be
2: baptized. All right. Um, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says they've already been taught incorrectly about baptism and thus prejudiced against it. Uh, same idea. I think he's exactly right. Anthony says he was one of those rebaptized
1: baptized people. I didn't feel weird about it, but my parents sure did.
2: Yeah. Okay. But, uh, there's another argument that is being pursued in the chat room that I think we can go to that I think is a strong reason why people are not baptized. And that is because, uh, 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 well, uh, Danny in Mississippi mentions unbelief, which certainly, I mean, if you don't believe, you can't be scripturally baptized. That, we kind of talked about that with the Ethiopian eunuch. But, uh, uh others in the chat room were talking about family, family as a drawback. Jack, uh, who's in Hampshire, Tennessee, says they may have to deal with the possibility that their deceased family member Mm -hmm. uh, who wasn't baptized may be doomed to hell. And I've, I've dealt with that, too. I think he's exactly right. No words. So I'm being taught, and we come to this point where it's pretty clear and has been proven to me that I need to be baptized. But my response is, my dear deceased grandmother, a finer woman, has never walked on the face of this earth. She was just wonderful. But she was never baptized, as you're teaching me now. Do you mean to tell me that she was lost? If, if I agree and, and submit to this instruction to be baptized, I will effectively be saying, my dear departed grandmother was not saved and we'll go to hell and i just i just can't i can't accept that conclusion that that argument is very frequently posed and i think that's what jack is suggesting here uh jack says it's hard to consider this possibility to answer this i would say wouldn't they want you to do what is right even though they may not have been baptized and i think that's the way to answer it what i do now has no effect whatsoever on the eternal destiny of my grandmother who's been dead for a number of years whether or not i am baptized no matter what i do it'll have no impact on what becomes of her in eternity that's in god's hands now there's nothing i can do to change it for the positive or the negative nothing that i do will impact her whatsoever Mm -hmm. but let's base let's base our discussion on the possibility that maybe she was lost because she wasn't baptized what would she have me to do yeah. You know, I think we actually have an answer to that question. In Luke chapter 16, we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man went to torment, and his concern was, send someone to my brothers so that they don't come to this place with me. Yep. Uh, and so it, uh, under the under the possibility that my grandmother wasn't baptized and wasn't saved and and is not eternally safe, what would, even if that was the case with her, what would she have me to do? She'd say, man, be baptized. Do everything necessary so that you don't have to suffer uh, being lost eternally.
1: Yeah, and uh, we, we learned that from the, the parable or, or the story, either way, of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, we know that if those who are in their eternal uh, destiny or their eternal state that are not in the right relationship with God, they would want us to do the right thing as has been alluded to, so we appreciate
2: those. A lot of talk in the chat room about that. Sharon agrees. Uh, she says, look at the rich man, Lazarus. That 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 rich man who went to torment was t- wanting a message. He, he urgently wanted a message to be sent to his brothers. Don't do what I did. Don't come here.
1: All right. Uh, we're going to be responsible for our own salvation, and we need to do what God has told us to do, regardless of what others who even may be close to us are doing. We appreciate those comments. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Or join in the chat room with other listeners. If you'd like to put your your picture up there, maybe you want to join in uh, via your Facebook account, but you've already given yourself a username, you can click on the little uh, door with an arrow on it down the bottom of the chat room, and you can log out, and then you can log back in uh, with your Facebook account if you'd like to put your picture up there so that people can look at yeah, something other at than at our the
2: bot- at the bottom of the chat room window, there's like a gear and uh, that's for the settings on the chat room window. Then next to it, and I think the, the the little icon is a little hard to make out, but what it is is a door with a green arrow going through it indicating you're leaving the room. So leave the room and log back in with your Facebook account, and we'll get to see your pretty face.
1: All right, we'll take a break, get this week's bullet point, and then the discussion of baptism goes on. What's the best way to stress the urgency of baptism? And uh, can you conceive of a situation when you might not want to baptize someone? We'll take those questions and we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
0: Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement.
2: This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Many people still have difficulty understanding the connection between faith and works in the Bible. There are lots of folks who would have us to believe that simple faith is the only condition for salvation from sin. They point us to numerous Bible verses which emphasize the need for believing in Jesus as the Son of God. No one can deny that this is clearly a prerequisite to salvation. Jesus said in John 8, verse 24, Except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. But what about works of obedience? What about confession as taught in Romans 10.10? Or repentance as taught in Acts 2.38? And baptism as taught in Mark 16.16? How do these commands fit into the scheme of redemption? Are they necessary or not? The answer is simple. It takes both. Both faith and works of obedience are needed in order to please God. There are a lot of ways we could prove this, but look at just one reference in the New Testament to an episode that happened in the Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, Rahab the harlot is commended for her faith. And it says that her faith saved her from the destruction of Jericho. Quote, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. But just over a few pages in your Bible, you read of her again, this time in James 2, verse 25. There, her works are mentioned, and it says that these were the basis of her justification. Note, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. Which was it, faith or works? The answer is easy. It was both. In fact, it's foolish to try and separate the two. In the same way, we must believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, and upon that faith, we must obey the commands found in the Scriptures. No need to try and separate the two. They belong together. God made them that way. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's word talk every Thursday night. Quit checking your
0: email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys.
1: And we're back on the program tonight. Thank you for being a part of the virtual Bible study And we look forward to your comments. Uh, Join in as we talk about baptism and hindrance to baptism. we uh, were finishing up the discussion of uh, what's the number one reason that prevents someone from being baptized. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says uh, that they've already been taught incorrectly about baptism and thus are prejudiced against it. And so certainly there's some misunderstanding, misteaching that has to be overcome at times.
2: Yeah. uh, Did we do Bill's?
1: We did bills, but we did not do Chris's, and I like Chris's. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Chris says, I would say environmental factors are probably the number one reason uh, that prevents someone from being baptized. I think he's talking about the environment that you live in, not the earth kind of environment. Uh, Sadly, people tend to hold fast to the beliefs of their parents and ancestors. Few people ever expend the energy to question why they believe the way they do, and then go the extra step of reasoning, studying, and seeking uh, if their beliefs are correct many are brought up in a de- in denominationalism and will remain simply because they do not want to entertain the possibility that they or their parents are- were wrong in their beliefs uh, the same goes for the people around the world in different religions but he says i and i like this i would caution not to judge these people too harshly because those christians brought up in the church are many times guilty of the same thing they believe what the church of christ teaches simply because their parents believed it I'm not saying this is all bad, but it tends to make lazy Christians who fail to properly understand what they believe and why. Consequently, when they speak to people outside the church, uh, their uh, discussions and arguments uh, for their beliefs are weak. Okay. You know, there's, that's no different. To someone who might uh, not be baptized because that's what their family did and that's what everyone in their family believed. And someone who is baptized, because just because that's what someone and everyone in their family does, there's really no difference between those two people.
2: Yeah. All okay. Right. Real quickly, before we pass on to the next question, a uh, couple of other things that I had on my list of potential things that would hinder people from being baptized, uh, the possibility of persecution, or closely associated with it, the possibility I might fail. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's no use starting, I can't make it. And besides that, I might get persecuted. I might be ridiculed if I'm a Christian. Yep. Uh, I would I would answer that by saying what Paul said in Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's doable. The Lord promises to help us to be faithful to Him, to serve Him, to do what needs to be done. Uh, and the example of people who suffered real intense persecution as their stories are recorded in the New Testament, yet they saw the value of serving the Lord. Even in the face of real intense persecution, I would answer that way. Uh, but you know, maybe Jacob, one of the biggest things that we haven't even mentioned this word yet. One of the biggest things that hinders people from being baptized is the idea of procrastination. I know I need to do it, and I intend to do it. I will do it, but they put off, they postpone. Okay, how are we going to? How are you going to answer somebody who's postponing their?
1: That's a nice segue into the next question you ask. What is the best way to stress the urgency of baptism? Uh, let's start with Chris in Georgia. He says, uh, using scripture to show that God does not tolerate it when we do things our way and not exactly how he prescribes. There are several examples of individuals in the Bible not following God's instruction to the letter and paying the ultimate price, Moses, Uzzah, et cetera. But the most fearful passage about doing things our way instead of God's way is in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. He references that account. Well, many will, will say to Jesus... Lord, Lord, haven't we done what you wanted us to do? And he'll say, depart from me. I never do.
2: Yeah, okay. You know, there was a a pretty good example of a guy who was procrastinating in Acts chapter 24, verse 25. Paul was speaking to Felix. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Felix is probably the famous procrastinator concerning obedience in the New Testament. He was looking for a, a convenient season, a time when it'd be easier to do it. And the problem with that, of course, that easy time never comes. It's never, there's never a time, never will be for anybody, when it's easier to be a Christian than not to be a Christian. So if you're waiting for that, stop waiting. It's not going to happen. Stop procrastinating. That's right. So we got it. We got to stress the urgency of of, uh, of baptism. Uh, uh, let's we see have, here. We, we got have, we got an email from Anthony. Go to the many examples in the New Testament of people being baptized straightway and otherwise in an immediate fashion. In a,
1: uh, and at a time when it wasn't convenient.
2: Yeah, even the Philippian jailer. Sometime after midnight in the wee small hours of the morning, he was baptized. And others, they were baptized immediately. He said, "I would stress the connection between baptism and salvation. Salvation does not occur until baptism. So we should never delay baptism once we've been convicted of our sins and desire salvation." All right. So I think that's a great answer.
1: And it was—I uh, don't know what it was like to travel in a chariot. Uh, I would imagine to be dusty and uncomfortable. I would say it was very inconvenient for the eunuch to stop on that on his trip. Even even in our nice cars today. When I go by a river, I don't have the urge to jump out and get, you know, just get soaking wet. Uh, I would say it was very inconvenient for the Ethiopian eunuch, but he saw the urgency of that. Uh, uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says uh, the scriptures provide the best answer to this in Acts chapter 16, verses 30 through 33. Uh, as you referenced there, the uh, conversion of the uh, Philippian jailer, uh, that was in the middle of the night that they were baptized again. It wasn't just something you're already saved. You ought to be baptized the next t- next That's time the good church, chance you get. Yeah, you know, on the third Sunday of the month or whenever the church gets together again for a mass baptism. No, they did it right then because it was an urgent thing.
2: Um, Danny in Mississippi suggests John 14:15 and John 15:14. 14. John 14:15, 14, Jesus, said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 15:14, he said, if ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And so, you know. If you love Jesus, if you want to be a friend of Jesus, you do what he says. He said to be baptized. That would stress the urgency of it somewhat. All right, All right.
1: Jeff in the chat room, who's uh, logged in with a picture as well tonight, uh, too. He says Acts chapter 8 to 38, the Ethiopian eunuch, is a good, uh, a good one there. You know, uh, Jeff, you could just speak up there behind the mic if you wanted to, to give us that. I guess I could, but uh, the important thing I want to say here is he he was he commended and ordered them to stop the chariot. So that shows a that it, there was a lot of
2: urgency yeah, there.
1: Philip didn't. Philip wasn't twisting his arm. and you know, he, wanted- begging,
2: he wasn't begging him along the way. Come on, come on, come on. What are you waiting for? The, he's, the, the eunuch is the one who brought up the question. What does the intermediate be baptized? He saw the need of it, saw the necessity of it, and he wanted to be done, Wanted right. it to be done immediately. Good job. Jack in the chat room says, Paul who hadn't eaten for three days, was immediately baptized. He didn't say, after, at least after I get something to oh, eat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's go down to the buffet here. Yeah,
2: he didn't wait. The fifth Philippian jailer did not hesitate. Why didn't they wait? They didn't wait for some vote or for a particular assembly. They saw the need and took action. Shouldn't everyone? Uh, Danny in Mississippi suggests Hebrews 5, 8, and 9, which says he, Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. He's the the author of salvation to those who are obedient. If you haven't obeyed, you haven't been saved.
1: All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com.
2: I think we've got an answer from Chris here. I read Chris's. Oh, you already read Chris's. Okay. Have we got all of our emails covered in? What about Bill?
1: We have not done Bill. Truth. If you have uh, not been baptized for remission of your sins, you still have every sin to your account that you have ever committed. Baptism puts you in contact with the blood of Christ. Too many verses here to prove this statement. Thank you, Bill, for that.
2: All right. Great. All right. So... Sort of to summarize what we've talked about so far, Jacob. We're just coming up on our last break. Baptism is clearly essential for the salvation of our souls. Uh, we need to be prepared to convince people of that. We need to be we need to be geared up with a with a, a, an, enough ammunition here that we can prove that point. Every Christian ought to be able to prove that point to an unbeliever. Uh, and, and and I'm concerned if there are Christians who can't make a good an effective argument for the necessity of baptism. If you can't do that, then get busy studying and prepare yourself to be ready to prove the necessity of baptism. All right. And then, in addition to that, be ready to answer people who are holding back, who are, who are who are hindered from one reason or another. There's a lot of good answers to give them. Be ready. Anticipate what they might say that would indicate that they're wanting to hold back or being hindered from being baptized. Be ready to answer those hindrances. And then be ready to urge them on about the necessity, about the urgency of baptism. All right, we're going to
1: talk as we get back from the break. the uh, uh, Fourth and fifth question you asked, and we'll have to go fast. Can you conceive of a situation where you might refuse to baptize someone? And number five, at what age do you think a child becomes accountable? And we'll talk about that. Uh, Eric in the chat room says, the reason I haven't been baptized is because I'm too young. I'm waiting for age 13. I'm 11. So uh, we appreciate Eric for being out there. And uh, Okay, the we, we, we want to talk about, about that, that, that age
2: of accountability when we get back yeah. from this Eric, break.
1: Eric, we hope you'll stay tuned. We'll talk about that, and uh, we'll hopefully take your comments. You can join in the chat room. You can join in over the phone. You can join in over email tonight. Don't go anywhere. The program will continue right
0: after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this.
3: I'm Joel and a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful And active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results, our own common sense, and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God.
2: Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study.
0: And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. We
1: welcome you back into the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or com, and come and visit with us if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. You can find out more about our meeting times by visiting our website. If you have any questions about what we believe. What we practice. Give us a call or send us an email. Anytime we'd love to talk to you. We're talking about baptism. And what might hinder someone from being baptized. On the program tonight.
2: Uh, real quickly. We got an email from a friend in Avon, Indiana. Boyd uh, uh, writes in and says. Some who argue that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Try to make the argument that baptism is a work. And to say that it is necessary for salvation. Contradicts the Bible teaching. That we're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Would you comment on this idea? Well, that's certainly a popular idea. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the, the question is, I, I th- first of all, I think Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 is not talking about all kinds of work. I think it's talking about works of merit. It specifically says there in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, not of works lest any man should boast. Now and and I, I believe that. I think we all believe that. There's not anything we can do whereby we could boast or brag or claim we'd earned our salvation. Baptism is not of that nature. Even if you've been baptized, you cannot say, God owes me that. I earned it by what I did. I can't brag about it. But that's not to admit works of obedience. In John chapter 6, verse 29, verse 28, they said to Jesus, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Jesus said that belief itself is a work. Of the sort that is necessary for salvation. It's one of the conditions necessary for salvation. Uh, so, the works that we're talking about, there are works of obedience which are necessary. Go ahead.
1: Uh, well, and uh, and so we can't just pull Ephesians chapter two out and 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 stand on it and ignore all the other passages. We can't interpret Ephesians chapter two verses eight and nine in such a way that contradicts every other passage. First Peter chapter three verse twenty-one that says baptism saves us. Mark sixteen verse fifteen and sixteen that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So you've got to harmonize the two. And what Ephesians two, as we look at the context, must be meaning is those works where you could earn it. You know, repentance, we've talked about this on the program in the past as well. Repentance is as much a work as baptism. In fact, it's more of a work. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, even talks about an area of repentance, someone who had been a thief. Told him, in his repentance, let him who stole steal no more. But look, let him labor, working with his hands, a thing which is good. Does the, is that verse there contradicting Ephesians chapter two, uh, three chapters earlier, uh, or two chapters earlier, where it says that we're not saved by works? for this person who was who must repent is told he must work?
2: Yeah, exactly. James 2.24, you see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. The works there, not not works of merit, but works of obedience. I've I've made the point that confession, everybody everybody agrees we have to confess our faith in Jesus, but confession actually requires the expenditure of calories. You have to do work to expel the air and to form the words to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's actual physical work. It's not a lot, but it's some, but it's necessary for salvation. I think the reason people focus on baptism is because it's something physical you do. Well, confession is something physical you do, too. Yeah. It's necessary. So thanks, boy. Appreciate you listening yeah, tonight the pre- Virtual I Appreciate tape. that question. All right. Uh, uh, the quickly. Next, yeah, we are about out of time. What would be a reason why you would not be willing to baptize someone? Someone says, what does hinder me to be baptized? There, I, I've been in a situation before where I had to say, I don't think I don't think you're ready to be baptized. I'm not, I'm not willing to baptize you at this point. And so would someone say at that point, I'm the hindrance? Because, <laughs> I guess so. Well, in that case, the, a, a fella acknowledged that he was involved in a sinful situation. Specifically, this is a number of years ago. The, the, the young man indicated that he was living, unmarried, with his girlfriend, who was within weeks of having a baby by him. And he wasn't willing to stop that relationship. And so I I determined that more study was necessary, more talk, more encouragement about repentance was necessary. Ultimately, the young man and his girlfriend, they got married and were baptized. The situation worked out favorably. But at that moment, I had to say, I'm not willing to to baptize you. I don't think you're ready yet. I I don't believe you have repented. You know, uh, that's an interesting point. I don't think that before someone is baptized,
1: they have to look at every scriptural teaching and and examine their life with full spiritual maturity to make sure they line up with everything the Bible teaches. I don't think you believe that either. The Christians in Acts chapter 2, the people who became Christians in Acts chapter 2 were baptized. They didn't understand all the instructions of God and all his will for them. But when we find areas in our life where we know we're not in compliance and we fail to repent, then we cannot be baptized scripture.
2: Yeah, Bill in Texas said, if I determine that it's not the subject's own free will and decision, if he felt someone was being forced by someone else to be baptized, he wouldn't baptize Chris
1: says in Atlanta, Georgia, says, uh, someone who has been divorced and remarried unscripturally and refuses to repent and correct the situation, I would not baptize someone who did not fully understand the purpose of baptism. Uh, this would include adults as well as infants.
2: Uh, Romans 16, verse 17 says our obedience is to be from the heart. If okay. people are not taught and do not understand, then they can't be obeying from the heart. Anthony says, I would definitely have doubts about baptizing someone who seems to have, for example, ulterior motives such as to please a spouse or a future spouse or to ingratiate him or himself uh, or herself with a congregation in order to receive material assistance, et uh, cetera, happens. or just social acceptance. Anyone who has not demonstrated repentance should, of course, not be baptized. I would want to be sure that the person could at least articulate their faith in basic terms. In other In other words, demonstrate that they understand what they're doing and why. Okay. All
1: right. All right. Um, and, and and Jim in Mount Pleasant agrees. If someone will not repent, and they should not be baptized. We should hinder them. We should uh, not uh, encourage them to be baptized. No. Oh, all right. All we have right. to hurry. With the last question for us to consider tonight, at what age do you think a child becomes accountable? What age should someone be baptized? Uh, is there a set age? Do you think, Dad, is there a formula? Can you look at the scriptures and and see a set age?
2: No, the the New Testament clearly does not teach a specific age where someone becomes accountable.
1: Does Does the New Testament teach an age of accountability,
2: though? it does i think i think it teaches that people become accountable they're not initially accountable as newborn babies but at some point they reach an age where they become accountable to god uh,
1: he, i think romans chapter 7 verse 9 teaches that where paul says i was alive once without the law but when the commandment came sin revived and i died i think paul's talking about it there paul never lived before the law of moses came into effect but the law of moses wasn't pertinent to Moses I mean to to Paul until he reached that age in which he could understand and comprehend God's law for him at that point the law came and he died
2: now real quickly I think that, that we're not saying you have to be an old man before you reach accountability mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 says remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say I have no pleasure in them and so you Serving God still is in your youth. In other words, it's not sow your wild oats, and when you get to be an old man, then you can come to the Lord. The scriptures suggest that it is still in the time of youth that a person should begin to think about their creator and serve them. Um, Of course, a lot of people point to Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 42, when Jesus was 12 years old. He went up to Jerusalem with his parents, and he said at 12 years old, I must be about my father's business. Okay, So uh, I think that gives some people sort of a uh, a benchmark that might be helpful. It's inter- There's an interesting uh, quote from um, – uh, well, I've got this written down here somewhere. Uh, an early Christian – I just got this as an early – oh, Polycarp, here it is. That's who I thought it was. Polycarp, who was a, an early Christian writer, not an inspired man, but who knew probably some of the inspired apostles – he was martyred when he was, uh, I think, 95 or 6 years old. Mm. He was an old man. Uh, and here's the quote that a lot of people refer to um, The Roman proconsul declared, Reproach this Christ and I will release thee. Polycarp replied, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he hath never wronged me. How can I then blaspheme my king who has saved me? I will tame your spirit by fire, said the angry ruler. You threaten me, Polycarp rejoined, by fire which burns only for a moment, and you are ignorant of the fire of eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. And so uh, he he was martyred at age 95, and he said he had served christ for 86 years so he was nine or ten years old when he was baptized that and that's that may be helpful that's a fairly early age of christianity and we see that young people even at that age were obeying the gospel and feeling their accountability to the lord
1: all right so you say there's no set age there is an age of accountability how do you determine that age of accountability how do you determine when you ought to be become a christian if you're a young person tonight listening. Well, I don't think
2: you. it's you know, sometimes people oversimplify it, I think, by saying when they know right and wrong. You've got a one year old Jacob at home. He knows right and wrong. He knows when he's doing something that you told him not to do. He understands right and wrong, but he doesn't understand the full implications of that and all the eternal and moral consequences of it. Okay. So I think it's oversimplification to say that they understand right and wrong. A very I mean a toddler can understand right and wrong, but they don't understand all that's involved in that. And so they need to be able to understand sin and its consequences. They need to obey they need to understand god 's will for their life because they have to obey from the heart Romans 16, 17. and so they have to understand those kind of things uh, it 's not that they it 's that they are of such an age they 're capable of understanding those kind of things uh, that I think is necessary that 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 age is going to vary with maturity and ability and opportunity and so forth but it, it it is at such a time as they can understand those essential truths
1: do you think that they also need to have an understanding of god's uh, plan of redemption and salvation as well rather than you know understanding that they've violated god's law well i think the need that, that they... i
2: think in order to obey the truth that there's some basic understandings but they're accountable even if they don't even if they've never been taught those things well that's true that's true they're accountable even if they've not been taught in order to obey and be saved they need to understand some of those basics that's right but they're accountable even if they never even heard of god they're okay. still accountable. that's true
1: that's true all right good good comments so uh, if you have any comments about that i guess we're just about out of time we don't have time to take your comments i guess you if you type real fast we might get them in the chat room there tonight um uh, we've got some uh, several comments uh, in our emails. There's not one particular age. It should be dealt with on an individual basic. Every child basis. Every child is unique and matures at different rates, according to Chris. Good comments. Uh, Bill says certainly no set age. Some Christian are more ma- or some children are more mature than others and are not making uh, the decision from pressure from peers or parents. Um, Anthony has a lengthy answer to that. Um, I uh, fear far too many adults have essentially pressured children to be baptized too young. Children uh, learn right from wrong fairly early, as you said, Dad. Uh, they can understand even that doing wrong is a sin at a pretty young age. But I am of a conviction that just because a child understands what is sin uh, and they have sinned, this does not mean they are accountable. If a child is not mature enough to truly, thoroughly understand what God's plan of redemption is for mankind, why Jesus had to die, etc., and what it really means to be a Christian, they should not be baptized. Personally, I think most children are not truly capable of grasping the gravity of baptism until their mid to upper teen years as an aside, I do not think uh, there is any significance to the fact that Jesus was twelve. There's.
2: Uh, I, I, don't, I, I I would agree. It's not necessarily significant. Some people believe there's. A, it sort of serves as a benchmark. I do, but I I, I don't think it's binding by any stretch. I
1: personally don't even think we should mention this in this discussion, as it gives a false benchmark for parents to latch <laughs> on to. He uses the
2: word benchmark. Okay.
1: Uh, there, we didn't read his comments before we started. I didn't read that, okay. Anthony.
2: I was using that word same as you.
1: Okay. And thereby fi- prematurely pressure the children to be baptized. Uh, Jesus was. The son of God, he was unique, even if there were just an average, even if he were just an average child, a 12-year-old in the first century is very different from a coddled 12-year-old in the 21st century. Children grew up very uh, much faster in years gone by. That's my opinion.
2: Yeah, uh, I would just reiterate what I said earlier. Age of accountability does not necessarily rest upon what truths they have been exposed to. They may never have been taught anything about their soul, and yet at a certain time they become accountable by virtue of of their state in life.
1: Okay. All right. Um, uh, Jim says, uh, when their hearts are touched by the knowledge of right and wrong from God's word and they recognize they have sinned and they are accountable. Uh, Jack has an interesting uh, observation, what he did with his children. He asked, I asked my children to verbalize and write on paper why they felt they needed to be baptized. Understanding repentance and expressing it is critical Repentance isn't just being sorry.
2: Yeah, I like that comment. My dad did that same thing where he didn't make me write it down, but he sat me down and asked me hard questions and made sure that I knew the answers to them before he felt that I was ready to be baptized. And I've always appreciated that uh, so that I don't, don't have to look back and wonder if I didn't know what I was doing. Right, okay.
0: Uh, All right. we got
2: one uh, email from uh, Mike in Kulioca who says if people just read the Bibles for themselves, they'll understand what they need to do. It's really pretty simple. And I think, you know, that's probably a good comment to end on. The, I think the subject of baptism is a pretty simple subject. It's not that complicated. We just need to take the Bible.
1: Hey, we got a comment. Jeff uh, in the, is behind the controls. I wasn't even looking his way, and he had to put something in the chat room to get my attention. Jeff, your thoughts. Well, first of all, we know the substance of salvation: here, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. The important thing about that is, when hearing, believing, repent, and confess, they—it's different ages of among children. Uh, especially, they confess they need to be able to talk. Although we and believe and repent, you know, it's a mental thing. So, yeah, I went don't... through this same thing when I was being baptized. Talk, talk. Get, Talk, thinking about being baptized around the, that same age. I was thinking about that, too. So
2: Yeah, it, we, and we make that point about infant baptism, for instance. Infants can't be baptized because they can't do the very, very basics, as you pointed out, Jeff. Good point.
1: Okay, Jeff, and appreciate you, Jeff, for being behind the controls tonight. Good job.
2: All right, we're and, a little over yeah, time, we but we time. had an important discussion tonight. Yeah,
1: thank you for your comments tonight, and uh, we it was a very good discussion and a very important discussion. All right. I
2: think the new chat room worked pretty good tonight, Jacob.
1: Yeah, you might let us know what you think about that, and if you want to Let us know where you're listening from tonight. We'd appreciate that. And uh, we appreciate you being there on the other end of the line tonight. And if you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, it's very clear from the scriptures that you need to be. Uh, If you have any other questions about baptism, we've got other uh, programs on the subject you might find on our website. Or if you'd just like to talk with us in more detail, send us an email or give us a phone call anytime. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, Study his inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.